Hello and welcome to Grace Lutheran Church Sermon Podcasts. On this podcast, you will hear the latest sermons taken from our weekly worship service. Our hope is that you will find joy and comfort in knowing the forgiveness of God through Jesus Christ. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. No, to one, he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey, and the man who had received five bags of gold went at once, put his money to work, and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Well, after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. And the man who had received five bags of gold brought another five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many more. Many things. Come and share your master's happiness, joy. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness or joy. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed? Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. And whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I want you to pause for a moment and think about a most beloved gift that you've received. For me, it was a camera. I always played around with my dad's camera, my mom's camera, my dad's Bell and Howell 8mm movie camera, not video, movie camera. Finally, when I was 13 years old, my parents gave me a Honeywell Pentex Spotmatic 500 single lens reflex with a screw thread lens mount developed by Zeiss and Practica Corporations during World War II. It was my Red Ryder BB gun with a compass in the stock that told time. I bought rolls of black and white film with varying ASAs or ISOs, depending on what you want to call them. I shot pictures of everything. 
Outdoors, indoors, white light, tungsten light, colored lights, framing my shots by opening and closing apertures and experimenting with focal distances and depth of field. And although it was not marked on the camera, I discovered that by, especially on this particular model, I discovered that by turning the dial up one notch, I could boost my shutter speed from 500 to 1,000. Wherever I went, my camera was with me. I showed it to everyone. I shared my joy. I was so happy. I was a photographer. I've gone through many cameras since then. As you remember your favorite gift, did you find that you wanted to show it to everyone? Share your joy. Share that gift. For those who can't remember a specific gift, I suggest food. I bet when you were a child, company came over to your house. We used to call people who came over to our house, company. Clean your room, Greg. Company is coming over. Clean up the toys. Company is coming over. Well, the word company comes from the Latin con panis, meaning with bread. Company literally means sharing food. Food is a gift of joy to share with others. Sharing joy is one part of the message in our parable of the talents this morning. The way Jesus tells this parable, it flows out of the parable before, the parable of the ten virgins. And so it lets us know that we should consider this parable as an extension of that parable. And in our parable today, the master gives the servants or the slaves an incredible large weight of, some translations have gold, others silver. The metal isn't important. It's called a talent. Before he goes away on a timeless journey. And one talent of silver or gold weighs 90 pounds. 90 pounds of silver. This was an unheard of gift. And this is a gift it's not an advance pay for the servant's work. The master doesn't tell them what to do with the wealth either. He just gives it to them. The master simply gives a gift and the two servants are overjoyed to put it to use. That is, they show it, they share it, they walk around with it. Maybe not all 90 pounds. The third servant, however, does not share the gift. He finds no joy in the gift. It's a task, something he must do, another labor for the master. What's wrong with him? What's he thinking? Is he equally as wealthy and rich as the master? No. Does he not need or can't use the gift of the master? No. Although he too has received the gift, he views it differently. When the master unexpectedly returns, as in the parable of the ten virgins, you remember, with the oil, the two servants are eager to show him what the gift has done. Just by putting it into use in their daily lives, it has increased. And the wealth of the master has increased as well. The master's gift was shared. And the results were an overflowing increase for the master's kingdom. The third servant, however, 
returns the wealth to the master. He refuses the gift. He considered it to be the master's wealth and not his own. He did not use it in his life, nor did he share it with others. It was the master's, and his master was a harsh man. The servant took no risks and wanted to make sure that he had given back to the master what he had been given. As Jesus spoke, those listening would have agreed with what the third servant did. People hid valuables in the ground which they did not want to lose or for which they were responsible. Hide it from others to whom it did not belong. Now here's something else I found interesting as I played with my camera. Putting different filters on my camera changed my perspective of what I saw. For instance, in black and white film with a yellow filter produces, reproduces uh, green and other colors in lighter shades. It gives a slightly better view of people against an environmental background. A red filter, however, cuts through haziness and fogginess and mist and gives you a truly clear picture. It appears that the servants viewed their master through different lenses. They clearly did not see their master in the same light. Here's what I mean. The master faithfully provided all the servants, all three, what they needed. Equally, they lacked nothing. And this gift was a gift enough of money that they would have been able to use it for the next thousand years or more. But only two servants clearly knew and trusted their master. He was gracious to them, and he trusted them with his wealth. The third servant, however, did not know or trust his master to be gracious. He thought the master was a hard man, an unforgiving overlord. He says to his master, Sir, I knew you were a hard man, harvesting where you did not sow, gathering where you did not scatter seed. He accuses the master of taking whatever gain was made as his own wealth and did not give the servant what he deserved for his work. This servant's form of justice was tit for tat, quid pro quo. You work hard to get what you deserve. If he sowed his master's wealth, he should reap a portion as his own and enter the joy of his master as a reward for his hard work. His fear, however, was that he would reap nothing for himself. According to this servant, the master should not reap what he did not sow himself, knowing he would not get what he deserved for watching his master's wealth. To him, the master is unjust. He's unrighteous. Now let those who have ears listen up. Because the words of this third servant provide the key to the joy in the parable. We have a well-known parable that says, you reap what you sow. For his hard work, the servant thought he should reap what he sowed. And if he risked losing his master's gift, he would be punished for not doing enough work. However, when it came to judgment day, having refused the master's gift, he was refusing the joy of the master. 
because he was not faithful in knowing or trusting the master, he is judged, as Jesus says, an evil man and worthless. Forfeiting the master's wealth, he has no wealth. Rejecting the gift, he wanted to earn it. Do you know your master? In the parable of the ten virgins, judgment day comes, the foolish virgins had already lost their faith, if you remember. Their lamps went out in life. They passed from this life unprepared. They were not allowed into the banquet hall. In today's parable, the master Jesus throws out the servant who refuses his gifts into utter darkness. The Lord casts these foolish versions out saying, I do not know you. But in our parable today, his question to the servant is, do you not know me? The servant knew him as an overlord. Jesus casts out the evil servant because that is what the servant deserved. He was not faithful. He did not know his master. Like the foolish virgins refusing the gift, he was found unfaithful. Earlier I said that the joy in the gift is one part to understanding this message. Most people, however, don't see the joy in this parable. They see judgment. Maybe you do too. Like a filter on a camera, the parable contains one little word that changes our focus from joy to judgment. The word is talents. Do you fear God's judgment thinking he will call you to accountability for not using your talents? Our word talent first appears in dictionaries in 1533, so it wasn't just yesterday. It was borrowed directly from the Greek word talanta. Talanta, talents. But like a filter, how you define this word clouds or clarifies the parable. There's only one correct definition of this word as it appears in our parable, and it's not what we've been used to using since 1533. Talents are not your abilities. Talents are not special gifts to preach or teach or play music or baseball, softball, athletic talents. This is how you use the word today. He has a talent for music. She is so talented. That's not what it means. Your God-given abilities are not the gift to which this parable is is referring. Jesus is not saying that he will judge you unless you meet a gain of leading new souls into the kingdom. He does not demand that you use these abilities as a prerequisite to enter his kingdom. The talent in the parable is the immeasurable amount of wealth given to his servants. The talents are God's gift of salvation, his saving word, the gospel, your baptism, the Lord's Supper. These are the talents, the heavy load that we cannot spend in a thousand lifetimes. This is his gift to you, his immeasurable wealth. Now, he also gives you special abilities. All the things that make you who you are 
are your God-given abilities used to share, to show joy of this beloved gift, his wealth, his salvation, with whom you are responsible in your lives. Your abilities, according to your responsibility as mother, father, husband, wife, co-worker, friend, house guest, all with whom you interact. Paul says to the Philippians that God has given some to be teachers, evangelists, and preachers. These aren't talents. These are abilities. I, however, do share in your feeling of fear of judgment from time to time. You feel you don't deserve such an immeasurable gift of the gospel. And you don't. It's a gift. You don't deserve it. You feel you haven't done enough in sharing that gift with others. And you haven't. You are profligate in your aptitudes. You've wasted opportunities where you coulda, woulda, shoulda shared your joy with someone and now perhaps it's too late. Fear is a human condition, a fleshly emotion, an old Adam emotion. We see it in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve disobeyed and refused God's gracious gifts. They hid it's seen in the parable here with the third servant. When he refuses his master's gracious gift, he hides it. No joy. Fear comes from knowing you're not making the grade. You've missed the mark. Knowing what you deserve and feel guilty for. At times you try and justify yourself like the lazy servant accusing the master. The, the harsh master made me hide the gift. The phrase, you reap what you sow haunts your former life choices, makes you feel hesitant to make any future choices. It reminds you that if you expect anything from God, it should be judgment for the countless ways you've disobeyed him, frivolously following false fascinations, selfishly sheltering your skills as if you had none. If you've sown anything, it has been weeds, Dandelions, discord, divisiveness, perhaps deception, destruction, and not the joy of your salvation. If left up to you, your work, what you deserve, then it's true, like the third servant. You deserve to reap what you've sown. You do deserve judgment, not joy. But use your faith as a filter on your camera and not your works or what you deserve. In fear of judgment, the third servant says, Master, I hid it because you reap what you have not sown. It's true. The Lord does reap indeed what he has not sown. Your Lord has reaped what you have sown. You sow in sin in your life, he gathers it up in the bloodied body of his crucified son. It dies with him. Your body is sown in death and he reaps and gathers you up in resurrection. This is God's talent. This is his gift for you. In Christ, you don't get what you deserve. 
You don't reap what you sow. Your hunger and thirst for that righteousness and his immeasurable grace is what you get. Christ changes your judgment to joy. He is the filter that blocks out sin and invites you to see him clearly as your savior. We now can understand what Paul says when he writes to the Corinthians, as for the resurrection of the dead, what is sown perishable is reaped imperishable. What is sown in dishonor is reaped in glory. What is sown in weakness is reaped in power. What is sown a natural body is reaped a spiritual body. You know your master and he knows you. Paul continues saying, he became sin who knew no sin so that in him you might become the righteousness of God. Forgiveness is God's judgment on those who hunger and thirst for forgiveness. Here's a photo no, cap, no camera can capture. He reaps what you sow. You don't receive judgment, you're showered with joy. He knows what you need, and in his word, he tells you that you are loved, that you are forgiven. He knows you as his child through baptism, and you know him as our Father who art in heaven. In the Lord's Supper, he knows you hunger and thirst after righteousness and invites you to be his company at his table where you know him and receive him in bread and wine, his body and blood for you, to know your future joy in his kingdom. And wait for his invitation. Good and faithful servant, enter my joy. What you have sown in sorrow, my son has reaped in joy. Amen. To know more about Jesus and our ministry at Grace Lutheran Church, please find us at www.gracealoneonline.org. You'll find additional sermon podcasts and your favorite podcast channel every week at www.gracealoneonline.org forward slash sermons.